Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabiha Divine Grace, AC Bhakti Vinantaswami, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai.
Chaitanya Vishnu Pad Panamahamsa, Parivraj Gajaya, Astotra Sata Sri Srimad, Divine Grace Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Gosami Maharaj Ki Jai, Ananta Koti Vaishnava Vrinda Ki Jai. Prem Sekaho Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhunityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Sri Vasavi Gauravakta Vrinda Ki Jai, Sri Radha Krishna Gopakopinath Shamakun Radhakun Giri Govardhan Ki Shri Shri Radha Govinda Ki Jai Shri Shri Jagannath Baladev Subhadramai Ki Jai Shri Shri Gornitai Ki Jai Samabeda Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai Grantarad Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai Gaur Premanandi Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskrityam Naram Chaiva Narutamam Devim Sarasatim Vyasam Tatojayam Mudiraye Nashta Prayeshva Badveshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavat Yutama Shloke Bhaktir Bhavati Naishtiki Thank you everyone for coming for Srimad Bhagavatam class today. We're reading from chapter 5 of fourth canto. Frustration of the sacrifice of Daksha. And we're on text number 1. So please repeat. Maitreya Uvacha. Bhavo Bhavanaya Bhavanya Nidhanam Prajapate Asat Kritaya Avagamya Narada Swaparshara Sanyam Chatad Advarar Bhutir Bhubir Vidravit vitam krodam aparam arate Maitreya uvacha Pavo bhavanya nidanam prajapate Asat kritaya avagamya narada Svaparshada sanyam chatad advarar bubir Vidravitam kroram aparamadate Maitreya uvacha Pavo 
Bhavanyanidanam Prajapate Asatkritaya Avagamya Narada Svaparshada Sanyam Chatad Advarar Budvir Vidra Vitam Prodamaparamarade Maitreya Uvacha Bhavanya Nidanam Prajapate Asatkritaya Avagamya Narada Sabharshada Sanyam Chatad Vidravitam Krodama Paramadate Bhavanya Nidanam Prajapate Satkritaya Avagamya Narada Parshada Sanyam Chitad Three more. Svaparishada Sanyam Chatad Advarar Vidravitam Krodam Aparamadate Maitreya Uvacha any words from the Sanskrit? Can't see it. Well, don't look. That's giving me answers. <laughs> I was just wondering if there's any words from when we were reciting it that stood out that maybe you know. Narada. That's n Who's that? That's a person. Yeah. Okay, so we might be hearing about Narada. Anything else? Krodam? What does that mean? Yeah. Sanyam? Uh, I think you might be right. Yep, Sanyam means soldiers. Asat. What does that mean? Not truth. Not truth. Yeah, and we'll see in the translation, asat kritaya, 
it ends up being translated as uh, having been insulted because kritaya means uh, like actions. So asat kritaya means actions that are not true or that are not uh, beneficial. Just like in Queen Kunti's prayer, she talks about the asat sabaya, the assembly of uncultured men. So similarly, asat kritaya means basically uncultured actions. That uh, anyone want to guess who that's referring to? Who performed uncultured actions in the past chapter? Daksha. Yes. Yeah, Prajapati. He's there. Okay. So now we'll see see what else we can learn from the word meanings. Maitreya uvacha. Maitreya said. Bhava. Lord Shiva. Bhavanya. Of sati. Nidanam. The death. Prajapati, because of Prajapati Daksha. Asat Kritaya, having been insulted. Avagamya, hearing about. Naradat, from Narada. Swaparshada Sainyam. The soldiers of his own associates. Cha and Tat Advara produced from his Daksha's sacrifice. Ribhubi by the ribus. Vidravatim were driven away. Krodam, anger. Aparam, unbounded. Adate, showed. Translation and purport by His Fine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami. Srila Prabhupada, Srila Prabhupada Ki Maitreya said, when Lord Shiva heard from Narada that Sati, his wife, was now dead because of Prajapati Daksha's insult to her, and that his soldiers had been driven away by the Ribu demigods, he became greatly angry. Please repeat. Maitreya said, When Lord Shiva heard from Narada that Sati, his wife, was now dead because of Prajapati Daksha's insult to her and that his soldiers had been driven away by the Ribu demigods. He became greatly angry. Purport. Lord Shiva understood that Sati, being the youngest daughter of Daksha, could present the case of Lord Shiva's purity of purpose and would thus be able to mitigate the misunderstanding between Daksha and, him, and himself. <clears throat> but such a compromise was not attained, and Sati was deliberately insulted by her father. 
by not being received properly when she visited his house without being invited. Sati herself could have killed her father, Daksha, because she is the personified material energy and has immense power to kill and create within this material universe. In the Brahma Samhita, her strength is described. She is capable of creating and dissolving many universes. But although she is so powerful, she acts under the direction of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, as his shadow. It would not have been difficult for Sati to punish her father, but she thought that since she was his daughter, it was not proper for her to kill him. Thus, she decided to give up her own body, which she had obtained from his, and Daksha did not even check her. When Sati passed away, giving up her body, the news was conveyed by Narada to Lord Shiva. Narada always carries the news of such events because he knows their import. When Lord Shiva heard that his chaste wife, Sati, was dead, he naturally became exceedingly angry. He also understood that Bhrigu Muni had created the Rivudev demigods by uttering the mantras of the Yajurveda and that these demigods had driven away all of his soldiers who were present in the arena of sacrifice. Therefore, he wanted to reply to this insult and thus he decided to kill Daksha because he was the cause of the death of Sati. Omagyanati nirandasya dhyananjana shalakaya chakshurun militam yena tasmai shri gurve namaha jai shri krishna chaitanya prabhu nityananda shri advaita gadadhara Shri Vasadi Gora Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So I'm begging the blessings of all the assembled devotees here and via Facebook or any digital medium to be able to speak something beneficial and in line with our parampara and enlivening for our devotional lives. Hare Krishna. So the verse again. Maitreya said, When Lord Shiva heard from Narada that Sati, his wife, was now dead because of Prajapati Daksha's insult to her and that his soldiers had been driven away by the Ribu demigods, he became greatly angry. So, one of the things I've been thinking about throughout our uh, reading of this whole pastime, this section of Bhagavatam, is how it's seemingly a mundane, dramatic affair, dealing with family and family attachment and just drama. And that the Bhagavatam is explained at the beginning of the Bhagavatam second verse that this Bhagavatam is rejecting all um, 
inferior dharma. It's, it's cheating dharma. It's only preaching the, the topmost dharma. And that it's understood by persons who are thoroughly honest. So the Bhagavatam is teaching us ultimately about the high, topmost dharma, which is bhakti, which is love of Krishna and service to the absolute truth, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So this section of the Bhagavatam uh, is seemingly seems to be a, just mundane affairs upon you know, our cursory glance of what's happening. But when we understand that Bhagavatam is teaching us the topmost religion, then we have to ask ourselves, what are, what are we actually learning from this section of the Bhagavatam? That is, how is, why is this here in the Bhagavatam? Lord Chaitanya stated that Srimad Bhagavatam is the spotless Purana. There's nothing that is, uh, it's, it's, there's, there's nothing within it that is tinged with any material motivation. And of all the Vedas, he, he propounded this Bhagavatam. And also Sanatana Goswami says that every verse of Srimad Bhagavatam is dripping with uh, love, Krishna Prema. So I've just been finding it interesting reflecting on this section and seeing how is it, why is this here? Why is this here in the Bhagavatam? And definitely there are so many lessons that we have been discussing. So many um, amazing classes have been coming up about uh, so many things. Just like Bala's class, I mean Prabhu's class the other day about loyalty, Bala's class about um, neglect, and uh, so many uh, lessons that we can learn. Uh, and part of the reason is that the personalities who are being described are not ordinary personalities. As we're reading in this section of the purport, that both Lord Shiva and Sati are not at all ordinary. Sati is Durga Devi. She's Krishna's material energy personified. And Prabhupada mentions here and in previous purports that Sati had the power to... There, there was no question of her being under Daksha. She was, she's the personified material energy. She could have destroyed him and so many, many, many other universes. And also Lord Shiva, as we know from Bhagavatam, is uh, Vaishnavanam Nitashambhu. He's the greatest devotee of the Lord. So when we see these uh, depictions, at first glance it looks like some sort of dramatic affair. But then when we, when we start to understand about the personalities who are involved, then we get a deeper understanding and we see this section of Bhagavatam, I feel, is uh, especially one of, the reason why, one of the reasons why the classes have been so 
um, nice, aside the, from the fact that we have so many nice devotees here, is that uh, it is showing us about the activities of devotees and how devotees act in the material world. And how it's not just so black and white that you know an enlightened person, spiritually realized person, uh, doesn't have any feelings or doesn't have any desires. Sati was wanting to go to the sacrifice of her father because of natural family affection. And although she's the greatest, you know, she's the personified material energy, still, this is the fact that's being described to us. And same here, Lord Shiva, he's the most topmost Vaishnava. He's completely renounced. He lives under a tree with nothing. He lives and you know, he does the most thankless tasks of dealing with, you know, just ghosts and ghouls and hobgoblins, and yet he remains completely pure. So one might think, well, he's not going to be attached to his wife. If she passed away, then he'll just, he, you know, just don't be attached. That's what a self-realized person should do. But we're seeing that Lord Shiva, he became greatly angry. And as we know, Lord Shiva is also known as Rudra, which means anger, right? So his anger is not ordinary anger. You don't want to make Lord Shiva angry. When he becomes angry, he destroys the entire cosmic manifestation. That's like part of his purpose. So he became greatly angry because naturally his affection for his wife, she left her body because of Daksha's sacrifice. So my reflection, the main thing that was kind of coming out for me reflecting on this verse is that... Uh, we have to learn how to deal with emotions in spiritual life. We initially understand that emotions are material uh, because they're related to our material activities or material attachments and therefore I shouldn't be attached, therefore, if I'm not attached, then I won't feel any emotions. And we can, this is basically the gist of impersonal understandings is that the material energy is a cause of suffering. Attachment to it just produces uh, suffering. And so we should become detached and basically become nothing. Uh, we should lose our individuality and we should merge into the oneness. This is impersonal understandings. But in bhakti, we're not, that's not the complete picture in bhakti. We are wanting to overcome our emotions, our material emotions, our material attachments. 
And simultaneously, at the same time, we are trying to develop spiritual attachment, spiritual activities, spiritual life. And emotions specifically, we're talking about Lord Shiva, who is feeling anger. So much so that he is about to wreak havoc on Daksha's sacrifice. And Sati, earlier, was feeling anger at her father for disrespecting her husband, who was a great Vaishnava. So, emotions are not meant to be rejected in bhakti. They're meant to be purified. And this is also one of the main themes of Nectar of Devotion. When we read Nectar of Devotion, the whole second half of the book is talking about all the details of the emotions that exist in the spiritual world. The, all the living entities there, there's so, and it's, it's delineated in great detail that when this happens, then this emotion comes up and it's, you know, it's uh, instigated by this aspect of Krishna's beauty and the devotees feel like this, and here's the example of how it happened in Krishna's Leela, right? And this is the main thrust of that book, the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. It's describing all the details of spiritual emotion that the devotees are feeling in relation with Krishna. But the whole first half of the book is not talking about that. The whole first half of the book is describing and teaching us about Vaidhi Bhakti. That one should practice these rules, follow the rules of the spiritual master, um, do this, don't do this. And this is the initial stage of practicing Bhakti. So Vaidhi Bhakti is teaching us to control the uh, material attachments, material emotions, and to uh, gradually learn to decipher between spiritual emotion and material emotion. But we're not meant to uh, reject it in any way. And we see this throughout the Bhagavatam. The Bhagavatam is actually such a dramatic book. This section, I feel, is extremely dramatic. Um, but the whole book, all the way up through 10th Canto, so much drama, especially in Dwarko with Krishna and stealing all the queens. The whole 10th Canto, so much drama is there. Yet, we are given the first nine cantos so that when we come to the tenth canto we don't misunderstand that these emotions that are being expressed with the Supreme Personality of Godhead are in any way material. So we're seeing in fourth canto that even the emotions of that, that great personalities will still have feelings because they're persons even the material energy, right? And this is an interesting point to meditate on, that this material energy 
is, is sati, personified. And she has activities, she has feelings. And at the same time, she's manifested as Krishna's uh, shadow energy. That when living entities turn, want to turn away from Krishna, who is everything, it's not possible to not be connected to Krishna because he's the root of everything. He is the source of everything and he exists everywhere. But when the living entities want to live in illusion that they are apart from Krishna, then they're turned over to Krishna's shadow, which is uh, sati, or material energy. So even such a person as sati is feeling, uh, has, has emotions. What to speak of the Supreme Personality of Godhead? All the demigods, all the powers within you know, the universe have personality behind them. Prabhupada often when he speaks in classes about the sun, he speaks about how the sun, there's a personified sun god and it describes that this is the reality and there's personalities behind the wind, governing the wind and governing all the different material elements. And the whole culture of the Bhagavatam is personal. So we have to understand how to be a person. And this means how to deal with emotions. So part of our learning in Krishna consciousness is how to deal with, first of all, how to deal with our material emotions, to not reject them, to not uh, just, you know, unrealistically think that I am a spirit soul. Of course, that is real. That's the true reality. But that I am beyond any material affection. Uh, this is why Bhagavatam has said that it's understood by those persons who are thoroughly honest. That when we come, when we understand, when we're honest with ourselves about where we're at, I have these attachments, uh, and we look at them in the face, you know, and, and we accept them, then we can actually deal with them. But as long as we, you know, shove it on the, under the rug or try to ignore or, you know, paint our material attachments in a different way, then we won't actually be able to access the Bhagavatam because Bhagavatam is understood by those persons who are fully honest. And by reading Bhagavatam, it also helps us to become honest because we have to look at very in depth, like, wow, this is such a dramatic affair. What is actually being taught here? So when we look deeply into it, then it helps us to see, wow, even great personalities are having attachments and affections and there's drama that's ha happening. So what to speak of myself, right? And Prabhupada, when he would speak about uh, lust, it's there in Bhagavad Gita that 
even Lord Shiva and Lord Brahma, the example is given of how they were overcome by lust. So Prabhupada uh, was asked that, you know, well, isn't Brahma a pure devotee? Isn't Lord Shiva such a great personality? And he said that the lesson is that even such personalities can be affected. And so what to speak of us? So my experience in the initial, the initial phases of practicing bhakti is that the more that we can come in touch and in, in um, acceptance and reality of our own situation, the more that we're able to access the nectar and the, yeah, the nectar of the, of the Bhagavatam. And we're able to see how it is helping us at every stage to achieve the ultimate goal of love for Krishna. So, maybe we can stop here and open up for a discussion. If there are any thoughts. material or spiritual emotions and that's like that's that's a, that's true and in our in our sort of transition or our purification of our material uh, material and spiritual emotions and the purified, purified, so much so that the, the Right, so you're saying that it's a gradual thing and we're often mixed, that sometimes we may have some sort of spiritual uh, emotion or enthusiasm, but it can be mixed with, mm -hmm. yeah, some personal desire. Yeah, so it's important to understand that and to learn how to basically just be able to introspect and work through and see, okay, this aspect of my enthusiasm is, you know, conditional. It's based on what am I going to get out of it. And, and uh, so let me, you know, push that out or drop that. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if we can't necessarily drop it, then I just say, okay, this is where I'm at. And work on it. <laughs> okay, Dave over at the board. I was just uh, thinking, there's that verse in Chaitanya Charitamrita where it talks about Krishna is like the sun and Maya is like darkness. And so I was thinking about how when we come to Krishna consciousness, we're actually very numb to our material emotions. 
and we're like we're not even like trying to act like a spiritual person it's just growing up within western civilization there's like this mood to be you ignore certain emotions and i was just thinking how as we progress in krishna consciousness you know as the light of krishna becomes more present in our life Place, and we understand how to deal with them in a more honest way. So it's interesting how there's this, you know, dichotomy where the more Krishna conscious I become, the more I can deal with my material emotions. But if I'm, to the degree I'm not Krishna conscious, to that degree, I'm not going to be able to deal with my material emotions in a mature way. Mm. The only way we can actually really overcome, not overcome, but process material emotions properly is through, you know, really making an effort to advance in our Krishna consciousness and seeing how Krishna's hand is there and he's trying to help us through our subtle body and through our external circumstances. So I was just thinking about that point, how, you know, dealing with our material emotions doesn't mean we, we're not Krishna conscious. Actually dealing with our material emotions means we have to be as Krishna conscious as it requires us to come to our heart of Krishna consciousness. Yeah. Yeah, it's like cleansing the heart, right? Yeah. Like you, you have to do the work to make the heart a clean place so that Krishna will appear. And that's how you express your devotion. Just like Lord Chaitanya, the temple, Gunjicha temple was dirty, so they cleaned it as the exp an expression of their devotion to bring Krishna, to invite Krishna in. So it w they weren't just thinking like, oh, I love Krishna so much, you know, let's just put him on this throne. It's, it's not like that. It's the same thing with our heart, that if the heart is mixed with material motivations, then our devotion is expressed by our going through that, mm -hmm. you know, honestly, and like showing Krishna that actually I want to be freed from these things. And, uh, and also praying, you know, please help me to free me from these things and making whatever endeavor we can to make the heart clean. Many other soldiers of Lord Shiva followed the fierce personality in a tumultuous uproar. He carried a great trident, fearful enough to kill even death, and on his legs he wore bangles which seemed to roar. Okay, um, if I recall correctly, you said, you quoted Sanatana Goswami in the, the Bhagavatam, uh, every verse drips with love. Can you, uh, can you find that emotion here and love is the highest emotion so can you find that sentiment in this verse for us the point is okay um, how do you explain this it's not that it's not that I mean you can say that about the entire Bhagavatam right the first nine cantos well, it's only the, the it's only the tenth canto 
the, the parts dealing with the rasa lila that's all about love, right? But the motivation behind speaking the whole Bhagavatam is to bring someone to that point. So in that sense, everything that's being spoken is has that meaning behind it. Just like Srila Prabhupada, when he would speak, very, not very often would he speak about Krishna's Leela. Very, very rarely would he speak about the gopis or love for Krishna. It was only with intimate you know, devotees here and there. Majority of the time, he was speaking harshly. And this is one of the things that people can uh, sometimes turn people off initially from Krishna consciousness. Well, why? Why does he speak so harshly about this? But that harshness was actually his expression of love. He was, he just like a, a child, you know, is running into the street, and a loving parent will yell at the child, "Don't do, don't go there." So, this verse, yeah, there's anger, there's roaring, there's death. There's not the word prema there. But what's behind it? That's my understanding of, you know, why Sanatana Goswami says that. I mean, he said it. So, you know, I'd like to ask him, <laughs> you know, more specifically. But that's my understanding. And what it does for me when I hear that, verse that, okay, every, every syllable of Bhagavatam is dripping with prema, it means that uh, I need to really look at, I need to read deeply the Bhagavatam and try to understand the depth that's there and not just take it at surface level. Do you have any other? take the Bhagavatam in its entirety, then you can consider this auxiliary to, to the main purpose or the main content, which is Prabhupada, right? Yeah, and I don't know, even auxiliary, like when it, the example I gave with Srila Prabhupada speaking strongly, like he would say things like rascals and this and that. Uh, but that was like his prema was coming through those words because that was what was needed to be said. So it's not that only when he was speaking about Krishna, that's the real thing. It's, it's that he was speaking according to time, place, and circumstance, but it was always his love that, that is coming through. So, you know. Therefore, Bhagavatam, it, it's always dripping with prema, but the specific words and the details of you know, the, what's being said uh, might not necessarily be Krishna prema, you know, like, like the actual word Krishna prema. So, okay, Jivan and then Chandrika. It's from the translation here. The translation we have from uh, His Grace uh, Gopi Prandam Prabhu. 
is your every syllable pouring down the flood of things. It's a translation here.
you have anything else on that point, Prabhu? No, no. Okay. Um, okay, I saw David Brata and Vrinda Sindhu and then discussion at this point, but I was just thinking reading Shuddha Bhakti Chintamani about a year ago um, Shiva Ramaraj talks about a Paribhasa Sutra in Srimad Bhagavatam which is Ete Kalam Pum Sam Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam and he, he explains that Paribhasa Sutra is there because in the Bhagavatam you'll find like there's references sometimes where it seems like someone's attaining like impersonal liberation and it seems contradictory because the Bhagavatam is putting emphasis on the person of Krishna. And so the Paribhasa Sutra, according to Jiva Goswami, is meant to, everything that seems contradictory is meant to be understood in relationship to that verse. So I was just thinking that everything in Bhagavatam, it's just kind of just reiterating what you're saying, just from another reference. It's meant to just bring us to that point that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Mm -hmm. So if, if something seems out of place, you just understand it in relationship to that verse. Like, okay, well this is just helping me to come to understand that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Whatever it may be, you just have to understand it in relationship to that. So it's just kind of reiterating the point that you've already made, but mm -hmm. just another reference. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of one of the main points I was trying to make through this class is that like Bhagavatam is helping helping us to kind of like bridge the gap between like spiritual world, perfect, everything's amazing, and like material world, it's terrible, everything's hell. Like we exist in the material world and we're approaching the spiritual world. So there is that sort of gray area, you know? And uh dealing with our material emotions and also like developing spiritual emotions and how does that look and how do we deal with that so Bhagavatam is showing us that like every chapter every canto that's really to me that's like really where it's 
starts to get ecstatic. Like when we read Bhagavatam and we see like, wow, yeah, how does that look? That's amazing, this offense. Or we see the devotees, you know, they're in the material world and yet they're, they're manifesting things in such unique, well, the same ways and also unique. It's just seeing that dynamic. Because Shukadev Goswami, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, so just for those who might not have caught it if you're online or something, that Shukadev Goswami is uh, an eternal so associate of Srimati Radharani as her parrot. Shuka means parrot. So Mother Nature is reminding us that uh, Shuka, that Radharani's parrot is not an ordinary parrot and the only thing that that he can speak is pure Krishna prema. So that's being manifested through the Bhagavatam in this world. Right? Thank you. <coughs> all right, it's nine o'clock. Thank you all very much. Gantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Oh, was there any?